Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for joining us on Rise Up with Orion. My name is Jenny. I am a health coach with Orion, and I will be hosting the podcast episode today. Um, those who have listened to our podcast before know that Anne has been hosting, and she has been putting out a lot of great stuff this year. We just want to say that we really appreciate all she's done. She's pursuing other opportunities, and we just want to make sure she knows how grateful we are for, um, for all she's done and for, for the good podcast episodes that you've been able to take advantage of. Um, we are really excited. We're doing a three-part series over the next few months on a model called The Six Sources of Influence. This will be our first episode in that series, and we're really excited today. We have Megan with us. She is a health coach with Orion, and she's going to be kind of introducing us to the six sources of influence and talking about the first two. So um, yeah, we'll go ahead and get started. If you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, Megan, that would be great. Sure. Yep. My name is Megan Salvo. I have been a health coach with Orion for seven years. Uh, during that time, we do a lot of uh, research into behavior change, and I'm excited to chat with you today about the sources of influence. We'll specifically be talking about the first two uh, as it applies to behavior change. Awesome. Yeah, Megan is a great coach. She's been with Orion for a long time and has a lot of good stuff to say. So if you just want to start off by telling us about the sources of influence in general, that would be awesome. Okay, so a lot of what we'll talk about today is outlined in the book, Change Anything. Uh, the researchers who wrote the book developed their change model, these, the six sources of influence, by combining 50 years of social science research uh, with an in-depth study of around 5,000 people who were attempting to overcome career and personal challenges. Uh, the model outlined in the book helps you to diagnose what's keeping you stuck in the status quo, recognize the personal, social, and environmental sources of influence working against you, and turn them in your favor, uh, create some change plans that lead to those desirable and lasting results, and then translate the performance feedback into action. So that's kind of the, the goal of the model uh, and utilizing the sources of influence that impact a lot of our daily decisions. Okay, so that's some really good background about what we're going to be talking about in the next few months. And um, before we jump into the first couple sources, I know there's like, there are a few overall principles that kind of help guide the six sources of influence. So um, yeah, maybe start off by telling us about, about those principles. Yeah, okay, so before you can really leverage those six sources of influence, it is, it is important to know or understand three keys to successful behavior change. And that is understanding uh, or helping yourself escape a willpower trap um, in implementing these changes with the intention of being the scientist and the subject in the experiment and then turning any bad days into good data. So let's talk about 
the willpower trap a little bit. This is something that a lot of people will see willpower as either uh, something that you either have or you don't have. So it's an inherent trait versus willpower being a skill. And often when we don't reach our goal, we can be really quick to attribute that failure to simply not having enough willpower. Um, and if that is something that you decide it's a trait and I don't have it, uh, eventually we're likely to stop trying altogether. This willpower trap is a, it's a depressing cycle that begins with this huge commitment to make the change, often followed by eroding motivation and then ending up in relapse into those old habits. Okay. So, um, those are kind of, that's something that I feel like a lot of people run into is they'll have this great goal and they'll have this plan and then it doesn't work. And they're like, why didn't that happen? And their conclusion is like, I just, I just need more willpower. Like, I know I've totally been there too, where I'm like, I had this plan. Like I want to do it. Why didn't it work? And I just assume that like, I just lack willpower. Yeah, it seems like, okay, I set this in place. I put, you know, I set smart goals and it's just not happening. I, I just must not have, you know, the, the wherewithal or I just must not have the drive to stick to it. So often what happens is up uh, so why try? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we don't then stop to think about rather, you know, I just am not making the right decisions, rather what kind of influences are being impressed on you that affect those choices. For example, um, a a pretty common goal in improving one's health is uh, to, to work out regularly. So you might set a goal to get to the gym, I'm gonna go after work, and that should be that, it should be pretty simple. I just gotta drive there and that we'll get it started, right? But on the way home or once work ends, there's all these other influences that can pop up that end up discouraging you from driving to the gym. Like maybe your spouse wants you to come home. Um, Maybe it's been a while since you've actually gone to the gym and that feels like an intimidating space to be in. Uh, Or maybe there's a bunch of advertisements on the way home with all of your favorite meals and all those places along the way yeah, all those places to stop and grab those meals are right on your commute home. So it'd be really easy where the gym maybe is a little bit out of the way comparatively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So things come up and you're like, wait a minute, I had this plan. Now Chick-fil-A is advertising their chicken sandwich and <laughs> that looks a lot better than going to the gym. Yeah. And that sounds great. I was going to go home and make this dinner, but guess what? The Chick-fil-A already made this one for me. Right. (laughs) So let's grab that instead. Uh, (laughs) But there are all these these sources of influence. There are all these uh, things that are affecting the the choice that you're trying to make uh, and the, the habit that you're trying to develop into a healthier space. The good news is that we can leverage those sources of influence. We can turn them in our favor. Um, for example, you know, talk to your spouse and communicate those goals. Uh, help them be part of that schedule or understand what you're trying to accomplish. Maybe uh, with the gym being an, an, an intimidating place, make it more comfortable by engaging a gym buddy and someone to go with you uh, instead of 
letting yourself be inundated with all these advertisements, listen to a podcast that encourages you or motivates you to, to exercise. Maybe listen to a playlist that you create for yourself to get into that mindset of the workout and create an environment that gets you ready for the action that you're trying to employ. I love that. So we can either kind of let these outside influences bombard us and take us off guard and make our decisions for us, or we can be proactive and come up with, with things to do ahead of time that will push us closer to our goal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's getting into this practice or utilizing uh, these, that change model to start recognizing these different influences and make them work in your favor instead. I like it. Another one of these background things to uh, understand, one of these three keys was be the scientist and the subject. So the change to our behavior is an experiment. It's a process. It's something that probably, or it has a higher likelihood to not be a, a, a home run right away with the initial plan, right? So instead, treat it like an experiment, form a hypothesis, and put it into action. Now, with these behaviors, as you're going through the day or as you're working on those changes, you want to examine when and where you currently give into the urges to do the unhealthy behavior or identify the triggers. These can be referred to as crucial moments. And this is where you'll be the scientist as you study yourself to find those crucial moments. For example, um, with the gym, right? Going to the gym uh, is something that I plan to do after work. Well, right now I'm in the mode that once I clock out, I go out to my car and I'm, I'm ready to go home and decompress for the day. So getting in the car and clocking out, that's a crucial moment that right now I'm headed home. And now I'm going to create a plan of action identified from that crucial moment to change my behavior or put in place the crucial behavior that helps me reach my goal. So instead of driving to the gym, I'm going to put, or I'm sorry, <laughs> instead of driving home, I'm going to put the gym in my GPS and, and let that take, you know, let that take me to the gym. Um, once you've identified those, those crucial moments, you want to figure out what you'll do to resist, what you'll do to remove or transform those urges during the critical times and, instead enact the crucial behavior. Again, this is being a scientist. You make a hypothesis about what might work for you, and then you formulate a plan. Okay, so um, you think about, okay, I know this is what I normally do. This is my routine. This is my habit. So instead of doing what I normally do, I'm going to come up with something to replace that habit with. So that it's not just like this hole in your schedule, but it's, oh, I already thought about this and this is my plan. This is what I'm going to try. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I've already thought about this. I planned ahead. We're going to try this action instead and see if that works. Um, for 
well, another, I'm trying to think of another example for you, but there's a lot of different behaviors that can come up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, so we talked about stopping at Chick-fil-A instead of going home to make a meal. Well, there's some things I can put in place beforehand. I can have the ingredients at home and ready to go so that when I drive past Chick-fil-A and I have that urge to turn off the freeway and stop for some fast food, I can recognize, oh, nope, I had these ingredients at home. Um, you know, maybe I'll ask Google to pull up the recipe so that I am all set and ready to go as soon as I walk in the door. I love that. I love that. And in some ways that keeps you accountable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the whole, the whole idea, right? That's what something that you'd need is the accountability in order to make a behavior change. So you create this plan, uh, you implement the plan and then observe the results make any changes based on what did or didn't work and then repeat as you need to. Um, You'll be the subject when you implement your plan on yourself and then continue to be the scientist when you evaluate whether or not the plan is working. Okay. So seeing that, you know, I, um, this is my hypothesis, this, this part of it worked, this part didn't, but kind of having that objective mindset which can be tricky because I think oftentimes we have a plan and if it doesn't work, we can be super hard on ourselves and see that as a failure. But in this, with this mindset, we're able to see, oh, like this was just an experiment and these are the things that I'm learning. This worked, this didn't. You know, when you say it that way, I think that helps take a lot of the emotion out of these decisions. Mm-hmm it's, this is something that I wanted to try. This is an experiment that I wanted to put in place. And the goal is to see what happens. Um, Then you take a step back and there's a a bigger picture of this is the overall overarching reaching goal that I wanted to, to get to. So did this experiment work? Yes or no? Okay. Well, in order to get from now, my, my current point to my end point, what should I try next? Um, you know, and expect those setbacks. It being an experiment means things won't work out, but you have room to form additional guesses as to what might work better. I love that. So it takes time and it takes, it's trial and error. Things, things may not work out, but if you have your end goal in mind, you can just keep trying things until, till it works. Yeah. Keep trying things until it works. Exactly. So expect that failure, expect it to give you some information and move forward with it. I love that. Okay. So that gives us some really good background um, for how to implement these sources. So let's jump into the first two sources of influence, um, personal motivation and personal ability. Perfect. Yeah. Personal motivation, personal ability, uh, in leveraging these two sources, they're essentially asking you two questions. With personal motivation, is it something that you want to do? With personal ability, is it something you're able to do? So in personal motivation, uh, you know, whether you want to do it, you take personal satisfaction from doing the required activity. Um, in order to become more fit, I want to get to the gym Am I able to go? You know, can I drive myself there? Can I, you know, get into the building? Can I do a workout uh, once I'm there? 
And if not, oh, I'm so sorry. I've, I've, um, <laughs> I switched over. I was totally slid into personal ability. Let me backtrack personal motivation. Um, in taking personal satisfaction in the required activity. If you don't take that personal satisfaction, what can you do or how can you get yourself to do those things that you currently find boring or painful or insulting or whatever the case is, is how do you learn to love what you hate? All right. Um, for example, a goal that could improve one's health would be to quit smoking. But when someone quits smoking, there are a lot of side effects that can come up initially that can be kind of painful, like the nicotine withdrawals, uh, intense headaches and physical cravings, shaky hands, decreased performance and concentration. Um, but they push through those things that are painful, push through those things that they hate in order to get to the bigger picture. I love to hate those things because it gets you to a better place. Okay, that makes sense. So first of all, it's easy if you already love it. So you can just like, if I already like to do this thing, awesome. If I don't, can I learn to enjoy it? Can I learn to love it? And then on top of that, um, how do I connect that with, the why, because if you're doing these things that are hard and miserable, like quitting smoking, they're, like you said, some not fun things. If we can at least attach the why to it, why we value it, why it's important to us, it sounds like that is super helpful. Yeah. If that goal that you've chosen aligns with your values, that is going to help you stay motivated and keep loving these things that you hate, right? I love to feel fit, that requires me to go to the gym and do these workouts, which often ends up in being kind of sore. I don't know that I love being sore for soreness sake, but I know that that means I've done some work and I am getting closer to or maintaining my fitness levels. That's, you know, a sign that I'm on the right track, essentially. I like that. Yeah. I do hear people say quite a bit like, oh, I love being sore. And I think yeah. that's why, right? Because it's like, they probably don't love like the feeling, but it's just like, oh, that's what this means is that I'm reaching my goals. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I, that's what this means mm -hmm. uh, is that I'm reaching my goals. Now with that personal motivation, um, crafting a personal motivation statement can be really helpful. And as simple as continuing to ask yourself why when it comes to the goal. So you know, why do you like to be fit? Uh, you know, I, I like to be fit because I, I like being, feeling more capable through the day, or I like to be able to keep up with my kids when they play. Uh, well, why is that important? Well, I want them to see that I can keep myself healthy. I want to model, uh, you know, healthy behaviors for my kid. Well, why would that be important? Because I don't want them to uh, be sedentary all the time. I want them to be active. I want them to play and run and be creative in that way. You know, mm -hmm. um, as long as you can keep asking yourself why continue to do so, you'll come up with more and more reasons uh, to stay motivated and create a, a foundation of your motivations and values that are going to help you stick with the goal. 
Okay, I like that. So that kind of covers personal motivation then and, and the key elements to that. Um, tell us a little bit about personal ability. So again, this asks whether you can do it. Um, your new behaviors are often far more physically, emotionally, intellectually challenging than they can than they'll appear on the surface. Um, this this is where you start to move away from willpower power as a inherent trait to focus on more knowledge and skill. You know, can you build those skills up? Do you have the skills or knowledge necessary? And if not, can you acquire those things? Um, you know, what skills are necessary to achieve the goal? And once those are identified, put them into deliberate practice. You'll develop the proficiency of those skills when it's done at a deliberate pace. You know, be very intentional about practice. I'd be very intentional about the practicing those things through the day. Okay. The week or month. So all those things can be in place, but then if you like want to, I don't know, go to the gym, say, or start cooking and you don't do it consistently, you don't have a schedule, you don't have a routine, you don't have time carved out of your schedule to make it happen. It's probably not likely to happen. Right. And if, if you think of maybe these behaviors, a similar vein of thinking about any kind of talent, maybe, then it makes a lot of sense. If you want to learn how to play an instrument, if you want to learn a new language, I can understand that in order to learn how to play the piano, I have to learn the keys. I have to learn the notes. I have to sit down and put some time into understanding those things. I can know that, but if I don't do it on a regular basis, I'm never going to learn how to play the piano. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you probably felt that same thing in basketball and anything else that, that you excel at, was you had to put the time in consistently. Uh, anything that anybody excels at, right? If it's sports, music, um, cooking and creating better sleeping habits, improving uh, your blood pressure, your glucose, your cholesterol. Um, if you'd like to do extreme things like uh, Spartan races or uh, extreme sports, <laughs> whatever the case mm -hmm. is, um, they require skills and they require practice to do them well. Okay. I like it. So um, I feel like that gives us a really good idea of the first two sources, what that means. Um, I feel like a theme throughout has been um, kind of the idea of experimentation and learning from, you know, maybe things not going the way we had planned. So one of the principles that I've heard you talk about before is turning bad days into good data and using failure as an opportunity to learn. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this with, you know, being the scientist in the subject, right, is expecting the mm -hmm. setbacks, expecting the failures, expecting the barriers, which is fine, and literally to be expected. And it's a matter of, you know, what do you do with those failures? How do you face them? That will help you either continue moving forward or quit altogether. Um, but again, anybody who 
has a talent, has a habit, has a skill, will tell you that there have been failures along the way, even the best of the best. So one of my favorite quotes here is from Michael Jordan, who's arguably the best basketball player in the world. Um, He's quoted saying, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Essentially, the failures show you something. The failures help teach you something of where you can improve, where you can make adjustments to keep getting closer to your goal. And most people won't identify all of their crucial moments or crucial behaviors on one day. Um, And as you continue to learn about the six sources of influence, uh, probably aren't gonna nail all six sources of influence all the time to get to their vital behaviors. It's going to take learning what works for you and what doesn't and making adjustments. That is, uh, I think the key to all of it. And I mean, proof right there, like Michael Jordan truly, uh, is someone that everyone sees as just incredibly gifted at his sport, but it wasn't just easy. He is such an example of learning from his failures. And I think, um, that's kind of the key takeaway from all of this is how can we learn from our failures? How can we continue to experiment until we find what works for us until we reach our goals? This this is where the real test begins. And this is where you can either utilize these sources of influence uh, in your favor or working against you. Um, You know, in, in the face of this failure, you can become depressed or you can get curious with it. And the depression is going to bring the discouragement and the deflation, but being curious will encourage creativity and perseverance to get closer to your goals and your desired behavior change. I love that. Well, that is, um, that's some good stuff. Do you feel like there's anything else that, that you wanted to cover before we say goodbye or do you feel like we covered it all? No, I know, uh, like you mentioned at the very beginning, uh, there'll be two more episodes on the additional sources of influence. So I hope that this gave a good breakdown of what personal motivation and personal ability is and how to leverage it in your favor. I love it. Well, I, I learned a lot. I hope you guys did too. And yeah, we're really excited to do the next couple, um, the next couple episodes. So, so yeah, stay tuned for that and take care. Thanks.